Father, truly that's our desire tonight, Lord, is for you to rain down, for you to come into our hearts once again afresh and anew. Touch us, Lord, once again, Father. You know every heart here, you know everything, Lord, that's been said and done today, Father. We just ask, Father, that you would just come and minister, Lord, and touch us, Father, by your grace. Lord, you know the sick among us, the situations that are happening, Father. Lord, we're just asking that you would come and take control. Lord, you can move aside every roadblock and every hindrance, Father. Lord, we just ask that you would come and anoint this service, Lord. Anoint us, Father, to step out of the way. I, I need you, Father. As always, and just asking you to come in a special way. We commit our lives to your hands for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Also, Genesis 4 and verse 3. Amen. How many can say is I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to come together. Amen. Just speaking to different ones yesterday and even today that's over uh, in Europe and also in the Philippines that are back under strict lockdowns and just, just crying out for prayer and asking God to intervene. So, amen. I believe God can make a way for those. Amen. Amen. So it is a privilege to be together, something I don't take very lightly and take, take for granted, but I always enjoy the presence of God and the presence of his people. Second Corinthians 10 and verse 4 said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and to bring, bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Also, Genesis 4 and verse 3 said, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Amen. We'll let you be seated this evening. just like to speak to you on, once again, casting down imaginations, but also the stronghold of formalism. Stronghold of formalism. <clears throat> You know, in hearing and recognizing and acting on the Word of God, the prophet would say this. He said, whenever there is a revival, it always produces twins. When there was a birth from Isaac and Rebekah, it produced twins. When the world was created, as we read in the Bible here of twins, Adam or Abel and Cain, 
It produces two. When, his, when, Ishmael, when Isaac was born, it produced two. When Esau and Jacob was born, it produced two. But one of them of the natural, one of them of the earth, and, or shall we say of death, and the other one supernatural. One looked at the natural, the intellect, the other one walked by the spirit. And I believe that's a very wonderful uh, thing if in your life if the Spirit of God has come inside of you and, and you're not, no longer walking by sight, but you're walking by faith and believing in the things of God that all things are possible to them that believe. You know, and looking at Abel's and, and these two as we read here, uh, one was walking by what he saw, amen, as Cain would bring an offering, he would bring of his first fruits, he would bring of what he would produce, what he could do, and the best that he could do. Now, they both came to church, they both worshiped, they both came to give an offering unto God. It wasn't that Cain was trying to do something evil, he was trying to bring something before God, but he was not coming by spiritual revelation, he was coming by intellectual knowledge. Amen. And that is what is very, very a tricky thing in this hour. Amen. God is not coming for an intellectual church. He's coming for a spiritual church. He's coming from a, for a church that has been born of his spirit. Amen. That's walking by the faith of almighty God. Amen. It's not offering of what they can do or how good they are, or how great they are, but it's all about what he has done. And this is where Abel would be able to look beyond what was before him in his sight. And he would realize it wasn't, it wasn't fruits that took them out of the garden. It was, it was blood that took them out of the garden. It was the sin, amen, of, of, of fornication that took them out. Out, and it would, if it was blood that took them out, it would have to be a greater blood that would come to take them back in. And so this is what Abel, by spiritual revelation, would begin to look, and he would say, I got to have a lamb. And it looked like maybe not the greatest uh, uh, type of altar. It was a very messy altar. It was a very ugly altar. Here Cain had built him something up that looked very pretty and no doubt decorated as best as he could, and, and his fruits all in the right place, and every, his vegetables arranged just right. But God wasn't work, looking for something that was dead. God was looking for something that was alive. And God is also the same today. He's looking more, he's looking for a church that's walking in the supernatural realm. That the supernatural God can come down in a meeting. He can touch hearts. He can touch lives. And he's not looking for our works. He's not looking for what we've done or how we've, how, what we've accomplished. He's not concerned about all of that, but he's looking for life. Amen. He's looking for the blood of, of the lamb. Amen. And so we see that one walked by intellectuals, but the other walked by the spirit. And we find that in every revival, amen, it produces twins. Every revival has twins. They have a bunch in there that's carnal believers, and there's a bunch in there that's spiritual believers. Every revival produces an Esau and a Jacob. Amen. Esau, as we would look at him for a moment, amen, he, he walked by the intellect. Well, he walked by his feelings. What, he walked by his self, amen, as he would come out of, the, out of the wilderness, out on a hunt or whatever he was doing, and he was out there and he'd come in very hungry, and, and, he, and he was willing to trade the birthright for a bowl of soup. Amen. Here on the other hand, amen, Jacob would do whatever it took to get the birthright. 
And this is where God would find favor in Jacob because Jacob wanted more than what he could produce or more than what he could do. He wanted what God required. And he could, would do whatever it took to, take, to get what God required. Amen. So, you know, he, he said, see, what happens is, he said, first they, they go along, first thing you know, the carnal ones begin to think, well, these guys are getting off the deep end. I better separate myself from them. And they go back to the intellectual part. They want a pastor that'll speak to them pleasant things. They don't want a spirit-filled pastor that'll obey the Holy Spirit from the platform and just preach the word like it is. As John said, lay the ax to the root of the tree and let the chips fall where it will. Most of the churches today will vote that out of their pulpit. That's right. But it comes to separation. It always does. It did it in the Methodist age. It did it in the Baptist age. It did it in the Pentecostal age. And it does it every age. He said, therefore, the great church is making itself ready. We find out that Esau and Jacob, were, before either child was born, God said he loved one and hated the other. They were twins. Same mother, same father. Twins. Every revival produces twins. There's twins born in a natural man and a spirit spiritual man. It was back in the Garden of Eden, Cain and Abel, the same thing started from there. And look at the church, Jesus all the way down. He said through the scriptures have been twins all the way down to Jesus. He said, Jesus, the pastor, Judas, the treasure, brothers out of the same tribe, out of the same group, out of the same church, one, the pastor, one, the treasure, one, a devil, one, God. Amen. That's the way it goes. Jesus said in the last days, the two spirits would be so close it would deceive the very elected if it was possible. Amen. So twins, believer, make believer, reasoning, faith, carnal, spiritual. In our scripture reading, we see two approaches to God, the approach of wisdom or man's wisdom or intellectual abilities or knowledge, a carnal approach, I mean, a formal approach or the approach of faith, a spiritual approach, approach with a revelation. Amen. It wasn't their own revelation. It was a revelation of Christ. Brother Adam would say, Abel was able to look down 2,000 years to the coming of the Lamb and realize God is requiring a Lamb. God is requiring blood. God is requiring life. He wants more than our just our old dead confessions and our, our dead religion. God wants something with life inside of it. Amen. He's not coming to, to, I mean, what man, just speaking naturally, what man's going to go marry a dead woman? It's not going to happen. They want somebody with life in us, somebody that, amen, reciprocates, somebody that gives back to them. So, amen, that is the same with God. He's not coming for a dead church. He's not coming for dead religions or dead creeds or dead dogmas. He is coming for a living, breathing, amen, working, supernatural church with supernatural signs, with supernatural wonders. Amen. The living God living among them and working through them. Amen. But many people want to put God in the box and he only operates a certain way and he only does certain things and, you know, and we don't get the Holy Ghost like they used to. And so we get it by believing and all kinds of things. They put God in the box, but God will go right around your formalism, right around your box and move in ways that blows your mind, moves in ways that goes beyond what you can think or ask. Amen. I believe in a God who can come beyond our greatest expectations. Amen. And we have seen him moving even among us. But he said, notice, he said, when the natural and the spiritual meet, there's always a clash. It's never failed. It always clashes. Why? Because in there is a jealousy. 
Amen. We find that there are jealousy. It causes, it, it does this jealousy begins to cause carnal impersonations or even carnal comparisons. Well, our church ain't like their church or this ain't like that or, you know, it's carnal comparisons or this preacher don't preach as good as that preacher or that, that carnal comparison. He said, we find it today as it was then when God does something for an individual, everyone wants to try to copy just like God did it for that person. And it causes a competition. It makes a carnality. And, he said, and then if we cannot on the other side get the spiritual results, then they'll take it by political power. They'll substitute something to upset the people's minds. What? To do what? To to draw disciples unto themselves. Amen. That's exactly what took place at the very beginning. As Cain and Abel, both boys here on earth, when Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and God vindicated it. Who vindicated it? God vindicated it. It wasn't Abel vindicating anything. God vindicated it. Amen. Amen. And God vindicated it, coming down and received a sacrifice, but it caused jealousy with Cain because he was jealous of his brother and he slew him. It started at the beginning with that natural and spiritual seed. Cain and Abel worshiped the same God. They built the same kind of altars. They both worshiped the same God, not different gods, the same God at the same church, same altar, but Cain, by carnal reasoning, brought the fruit of the land and laid them upon the altar, thinking surely this would answer for God's atonement. He must have brought in what people think today, apples or oranges. Amen. What might have took Eve and Adam out of the garden in the beginning? That's when he was coming by his own intellectual abilities. Amen. But Abel had the right sacrifice. He knew that it was blood that did it, so he brought a lamb. And when God received this, now Abel, by faith, offered a better sacrifice. Amen. There was no Bible written. There wasn't nothing given, but by revelation. He brought it before God, and God received it. And God is once again not looking for our intellectual abilities or our abilities to speak well or our abilities to orate or abilities to put things together. He's looking for spiritual revelation. Amen. Then when you have that in your heart, it's more in this spiritual revelation is more than a jump or a shout. But when you receive it, it might make you jump and shout. Amen, we're talking about the fire of God that comes down upon the altar. How many's ever burned, been burned by a fire and not had an emotion to it? I mean, you just go and you kind of burn yourself on a teapot or, or one of your sisters getting a pan out of, the, out of the oven and you didn't quite put the mitten on right and you grabbed a hot pan. I, I'm sure you're like, wow, that was incredible. That was, no, no, there's gonna be some emotion to it. And how much more greater is the fire of God? When it comes inside of a heart and it burns out sin and unbelief and all these kind of sins and past mistakes and past problems, amen, there's some kind of emotion to it when you realize I once was lost, but now I'm saved. I once was on my way to hell, but God in rich and mercy turned me around. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, somebody, Brother George, shared this with me today. It was very, I thought it was very wonderful. Somebody asked a man, said, why does God send people to hell? He said, God don't send anybody to hell. He said, we were on our way to hell. 
Every one of us was on our way to hell because we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But it's by God's grace he put a lifeboat in our way. And we have the ability to step off our road and get on that lifeboat. Amen. And I realize what I've been saved from, what God has done for me in my life. And I realize it ain't looking at me and my works and my faults, but he provided me a lamb. Listen, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to cry. It makes me want to laugh. It puts all kind of emotions in me when I realize what God done for me. That he came by my way with a lifeboat. I wonder how many people, you know, they say, well, you know, it ain't all of an emotion. I wonder about somebody's out on the ocean. I put that same person out on the ocean somewhere on a little raft, and, and they're just, you know, floating around for days, and ain't had nothing to drink for days, and hallucinating every kind of thing. All of a sudden, they look out there, and here comes a ship. <laughs> and they're going to just sit back in their formalism and sit back and like, ah, well, if, you know, if that's really of God, he'd just come right over here and pick me up. <laughs> well, I mean, you heard the story of a man wanting to be saved. You know, it was in a flood. You heard that story? Just got reminded of that this week. Amen. was wanting to be saved and crying, God save me, God save me, God save me. All of a sudden, here comes a boat and said, come on, get in the boat. And he said, no, God's going to save me. Wouldn't it, well, God wasn't working in his box, in other words. And then the helicopter comes along. You know, he's crying out, God save me. It's getting, water's getting higher. God save me. Here comes the helicopter, drops the lifeline, and he, and, he, and he won't get on the lifeline. And, and the water comes up and he drowns. He goes, sees God. God said, what do you mean I didn't save you? Try to save you. He said, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter, and you refused it all. Amen. God will send things by our way. And if you don't get off of where you're going and get on that lifeboat, but thank God I took the step. How many else here tonight took that step? We were all born in sins and shaped in iniquity on our way to hell. But a lifeboat come by my way. Amen. The blood of Jesus come by my way. And it picked me up where it found me. But thank God it didn't leave me there. It brought me out of there. And it set my feet on the king's highway. No, if that person in that little thing out there has been floating for months and days, I just read about somebody survived some like 60-something days out in the ocean. I couldn't imagine. But I guarantee you, when they saw that ship, hey, hey, I need saving, hey. Hallelujah. And we want to look down on somebody because they get a little emotional. They're seeing their lifeboat come by. They're seeing the Holy Ghost can be their Holy Ghost. They're seeing God can be their God. Hallelujah. Just like I told Brother Lemuel up there in Oklahoma, I said, now that God that was your daddy's God, your uncle's God, that God is now your God. Whoa, hallelujah. When I realize it ain't just my daddy's God no more, it ain't just the church's God or anybody else's God, it's my God. And don't you know it's the same God that helped Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the same God that walked the children of Israel through the Red Sea, through the desert, into the promise. That's my God. Hey, that's my God. Something happens. But you see, it takes a spiritual revelation 
course, the devil will whoop you around on your feelings. I understand that. But he'll come and he'll come to you after an emotional service and say, well, that was all emotional, but you realize something changed. Something took place. I don't have those same desires no more. Temptation may be there, but the desire ain't there. There is a difference between temptation and desires. Amen. It was a revelation. He, you know, he'd come to Peter and he'd say, you'd say, well, who does men say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're lies. Some say you're one of the prophets. He said, well, who do you say I am? He said, I, I say you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, notice the statement that Jesus replied, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father has revealed this to you. And, and upon this rock, and Brother Brown said, not a church, not a religion, not Peter. He said, it's upon the revelation of who Jesus is. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Amen. No man. He said, he said, no man can even come to me except my father draw nigh. And he said, you have been drawn, Simon. And he said, no man can come. He said, flesh and blood's not revealed this, but I've drawn you into this. My father, which is in heaven, has drawn you to this moment. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Hallelujah. Don't you understand what you got inside of you? You got something that hell can't do nothing about. Amen. It didn't say it wouldn't be against you. It said it wouldn't prevail against you. Amen. Many of you come back from camp or services and all hell seems to break. That's just normal. Amen. Welcome to being filled with the Holy Ghost. Every gun in hell has been pointed at you, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. When you realize it was more than just an emotion, it was more than just a moment. It was God that came on the inside of me and changed my life forever. And it's no longer my fruits and what I can do and what I can produce. It's what he's already done. But it brings a clash. We find that clash in Abraham and Lot. We find that same clash in Moses and Dathan and Korah. Moses being an ordained prophet with the word of the Lord vindicated that he was chosen to be their leader of the hour and that Abraham had done all that he promised, all these promised things. And here Moses did exactly what God said it would be, take place. And, carnal, and Korah, being carnal, wanted to raise up against him. He wanted to make a group of men on his own, of his own. He said, God doesn't deal with people like that. Shows you right there in Scripture, he said, what takes place. Oh, Moses, you're making too much out of yourself. You know, the whole congregation is holy. You say you're a holy man, the whole congregation is holy. We're all holy. We're all God's children. God, he, Moses said, Lord, what do I do? And God said, separate yourself. And he swallowed him up in the earth. See, there was a clash. When the carnal and the spiritual meet, there's always a clash. When Judas and Jesus met, there was a clash. Son of God, one, son of Satan, the other. Just like Cain and Abel, a clash. One of them a treasure, the other a pastor. And we come to this day to the same thing, the carnal denominational denomination to the spiritual bride of Christ. The spiritual bride of Christ is so much different from the carnal organization till there's no comparison in them at all. Hallelujah. But we see here, 
me go down here. We find that 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 that, that sorry, I lost my spot for a minute. We find here, and if we talk about in Second Timothy, talking about the last days, the church would have a form of godliness, have the form of being a church, but deny the power. What power? The same power that fell on the day of Pentecost. And we're not moving from that power. Amen. That power has been restored in this day like never before. All down through the church ages. It went into utter darkness. But in this day, that same power, that same Holy Ghost, that same God is now living among his people. Doing the same things with same signs, same wonders, same miracles. Same, we are writing another book of Acts. But I know there's a carnal church out there that says it ain't so. That says you only have to believe it to be. You only have to believe the word, accept the word for your day, you know, and then you're saved. I mean, you're nothing but a good Baptist. But there is a spirit of God that can come on the inside of you. You say, well, brother Timothy, I, I mean, you got the mechanics, but listen, we also need the dynamics. We need. We got the word. We got the word. We got the word. But you've also got to have the spirit, amen, that makes the word live, that operates the word in the body, that changes the hearts and changes life. The spirit of God that can fall in a room and change the whole atmosphere. To everyone in the building can be healed. And people can be saved. God can come in such a phenomenal way. You say, really? Yes, God can still do that because He's still God. It doesn't matter how much the carnal impersonation say it ain't so. You know, you get a, you get a little emotional about things, you know, and you get the spirit of God moving. And they want to say, well, you're just Pentecost. I say, thank you. You're exactly right. I am Pentecost. <laughs> the original. Amen, not the denomination, the original. Amen, what was the Malachi 4 sent for? To turn the faith, the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. Amen, we have been turned back to the faith of Peter, back to the faith of Paul. Amen, back to the faith of the Bible, back to the faith of Hebrews 11, back to the faith of all things are possible. I don't care how much the carnal people says it ain't so, we have been turned back to the faith to believe in miracles to believe in signs and wonders, to believe that our prodigals are coming home, to believe that our children can be saved, to believe that there's still mercy for those that desire mercy, to believe that there's still, amen, the spiritual God to create a spiritual atmosphere that a spiritual birth can take place. Listen, we're not interested in formal dead dogmas and morgues. We're not interested in ice cold places called hell. Prison camps, death camps. That's not what we're in. That's not where we're going. You know, after those ones that wants to call us Pentecostal because we get a little emotional or shout a little bit or, or jump a little bit or, amen, because we've seen our lifeboat moving through the building. Pardon me. Didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but what in the world are you, a Methodist? <laughs> a good Baptist? Catholic? What are you? If emotion makes me a Pentecost, what does no emotion make you? <laughs> Amen. He said, but see, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power. 
How many people have you talked to? I just talked to one out in the parking lot. Has a form of godliness. Has a, has a form of worship. Has a, has a want to go to church. Has a want to even minister. Has a want to do things. But they deny that God can change a life. They deny that the Holy Ghost can come in a heart and so change their nature. To where they don't want to smoke, drink, carouse, do none of that again. But no, they don't want that. They want church and that. A form of godliness. Oh, they worship creeds, but they deny the power. From such, turn away. Hallelujah. For this is a sort that slip in from house to house and lead silly women and led away with divers' lusts. Amen. Never able to learn or never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He said, see, we got the church formal, carnal believers. And we got the church spiritual, born again with signs and wonders by spiritual revelation just the same as it was in the Garden of Eden. The spirit of Cain is here. The spirit of Christ is here. You have to make your choice. What was Cain worship? Dead worship. It was dead. There wasn't no life. He picked that fruit, and as soon as you pick a fruit from a vine, it's dead. The life is in it. It's withering away. It might look beautiful for just a few days, but you leave it on your countertops long enough, it'll be a stinking, rotten mess. You might, can, I mean, you might can preserve it for a little longer in the refrigerator, maybe a little longer in the freezer, but if you allow it, it'll rotten to the core because it was picked from the vine and it has no life. And that's what Cain worship is. It don't have life in it. There are people sitting like dead knots on a log. There ain't no response to the word. There's no joy in the house of God. Amen. They like they act like they're in a prison camp somewhere. I, I don't want to act like that. I want to act like I enjoy being in the presence of Almighty God. I want to act like I enjoy drinking from the fountains of Pentecostal blessing. I want to bless I want to give God all the glory when he's near. Cain worship. He wasn't, and Brother Brown said he wasn't an infidel. He wasn't a communist. <laughs> he was a believer. He went to God, built an altar, done a very religious thing. Done every religious thing that Abel done, but he didn't have spiritual revelation of the will of God. He said, there you are. He didn't have the spiritual revelation. That's what's the matter with the church today. He built an altar. He worshiped. He brought sacrifice. He knelt down. He praised. He worshiped God. He'd done everything religious that Abel done, and God flatly refused him because he didn't have a spiritual revelation of what God required then. And from that same line, went all the way down through the ark. He said all the way down through Israel, all the way down through Jesus, all the way down through the dark ages until we see it again, carnal, fundamental church, stiff and starchy. Uh, He knows all the doctrines. Knows all the theologies. They can explain it all, boy, just like that. But without spiritual revelation, that is the doctrine of Cain. And it's amazing. Who was it? It was Cain in jealousy because he seen God accepting what they were doing. And he began to strike out at what God was doing. Listen, it wasn't even God. Hey, listen, Cain, yeah, he killed Abel, but he was striking out at God. And this is why we got to be very careful who we strike out against. 
You know, it, it was, what was it, one of the Pharisees in, the New, in Acts, he said, talking about, the, I believe it was about the disciples and things that were taking place, and he had a very wise thing. He said, listen, if it be of God, let's don't say nothing about it. But if it isn't of God, it'll come to naught. Balaam done the same thing as they come through the wilderness. He said, here, here comes a bunch of what they called holy rollers. A little bit too emotional for Balaam. But what they had, listen to what these holy rollers had. These holy rollers. They had a spiritual revelation. God was with them. They had a pillar of fire. I'm just reading you from the quotes. They had a smitten rock. They had a brass serpent. Serpent. They had the pillar of fire. And he said, when I think that same God lives with us, it's still the spiritual revelation of the world. word. He said, that spiritual church still has the pillar of fire among them. It still has signs and wonders. It still has the same Christ, which it vindicates all the way from the dying lamb to the, in the Garden of Eden unto the second coming of the lamb. Absolutely the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that line of Cain, religious, polished, scholarly, right down the same, just the same, every day the same, criticizers, Persecutor, this is a quote, persecutors as Cain was of Abel, so are they today and have been and always will be. Amen. Carnal unbelievers. But look at Cain and Abel, both of them sincere. But Cain, by his wisdom, after his mother church Eve, like his mother, he took reasoning. How can I build this the way that God would be pleased? He didn't want to get bloody like Abel did. He didn't want to, he didn't want to get drunk like they did on the day of Pentecost. He didn't want that. He wanted something that he could, you know, have a good godly confession and, and, and you know, fulfill his religious duties and, and leave out and, and go on about his business. He didn't like the way Abel done his. He thought, man, there ain't no way. That's such a nasty looking thing. Hey, look, look at that. Hey, no doubt he looked and he criticized. Look at all that nonsense they got going on in Eden Light Tabernacle. They just shouting and crying and running up and down the aisles and waving these white flags. They've lost their mind. Didn't realize this was what God was requiring was his lamb. <laughs> And Abel's dragging this lamb up and it's bleeding and it's crying and, and, it's, and he's just looking and he's pulling, come on. And it, was just, and it was something that was dear to him that he laid on the altar. He tied his feet and his leg and he laid it there and he grabbed an old rock and he pulled his head back and he began to hack at his throat. Listen, it wasn't a fun thing, I can promise you. I've had to kill some animals in my life, and I don't ever like it when one of them begins to holler and begins to scream. That's not a fun experience to me. I don't enjoy that kind of thing. Amen. I couldn't imagine this. As this lamb, that's how they make it. That's what kind of sound. I've heard it. And blood's trying to start squirting out. And Cain's like, oh, my goodness. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. What a, that's, a, that's a mess they got going on there. Look at all that nonsense. Blood starts squirting everywhere. And, and God's looking down. He's like, oh, I'm so pleased. This is what I was wanting. This is what I desired. 
This is what I'm longing for. This is what I want. And Cain's over there criticizing and doing his that, and he's making fun and that, all kinds of stuff happening. Come on now. Blood squirting everywhere. It's getting all over Abel's eyes and all down his clothes. And Listen, when he left church, it looked like he'd been to church. God had changed him. God had met him there. God had done something for him. Amen. That's what it ought to be when you come to church. I mean, you become part of your sacrifice. That the blood of Jesus can come upon you and it can wash you and it makes you white as snow. It changes your nature. It changes everything about you. And when you leave church, it looks like you've been to church. Oh, beautiful sacrifice. You couldn't get past Cain. Flowers, he had it. Fruit, he had it. Surely God, surely in his reason, surely God would accept this. But see, he says, see, it ain't all. He said, you know, the man was sincere because it meant life or death to him. But this is Brother Branham again. He said, them people who don't think they're, they don't think they're hypocrites are sincere. Then could they be sincere and be wrong? He said, sure. He said, a man could take arsenic sincerely thinking he's taking castor oil or something else. See, sincere. But it's sincerity and truth. It's, it's water and blood and spirit. It's, it's spirit and truth. It's dynamics and mechanics. It's mechanics and dynamics. It's a balance. Listen, I, I agree. If, it, if all we get is jumping and shouting and carrying on, and that's all we get, it ain't going to do us no good. But when I see lives have been changed, I see young people, they don't even look like the same young people no more. And God's done something for them. I realize it was more than just a drunk moment. It was more than just a jump or a shout. But there's a real change on the end. That's what we desire. Cain was bringing what he'd done. Cain was offering what he had grown, what he'd worked for, his own abilities, his own thinking, to lay it on the altar to die. Not to lay it on the altar to die, but to put it before God and say, look what I've done. Look at my wisdom, how I've learned to do this. Look at me, God. Cain was coming in his own wisdom, not God's wisdom. There's a huge, a huge difference between the wisdom of man and godly wisdom. Amen. Cain was boasting in what he had done, what he had provided, that he had provided a way of salvation. But Abel was coming not by his own wisdom. Abel was coming boasting on what God had done and what God had provided. Amen. But Cain, by his own wisdom, would say, surely God will accept me. I've got an altar. I've been to church. I've... I've worshiped. I, I, I'm just as I'm sincere. I, I've got a beautiful something here. Surely God will receive it. That's the same thing the devil told his mama. The same lie, same wisdom. But in Hebrews 11, it said, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain. Amen. A more excellent sacrifice. How? By faith. Not by intellectual wisdom, not by his own understanding or his own reasons, but by faith in what God required. Amen. Amen. We're going down. 
And he would go, Brother Brandon would go listen to that. It's a wonderful message, wisdom versus faith. He talks about the revelation versus the botany life and the dead versus life and wisdom versus faith and why it had to take blood to bring him out of the garden again or to, or, or to, to appease God for the sin because it was blood that took them out. It was blood that was going to take us back in. He said, how is a man through his own wisdom going to understand it when the whole Bible, the whole church of God is built upon divine revelation by faith? Amen. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. But see, Cain religion is dead religion. Abel religion, revelation is life. I want to take a few things here for those that are formal. Just help them maybe with their formalities. When the church was inaugurated on, on the day of Pentecost, it's a very beautiful type of the first man of falling. They was up there in the upper room in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were setting. Cloven tongues appeared upon them like fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and out into the street they went screaming and shouting and going on, and all the religious formal world standing there saying, well, these guys are drunk. He said they were full of new wine. I never heard such noise in my life. He said, let me tell you something, my dear Catholic friend. <laughs> Here, let me tell you this today. The blessed Virgin Mary was with them. And if God wouldn't have respect no more for the mother of Jesus Christ that she couldn't get to heaven till she went there and received the same baptism of the Holy Ghost and act the same like a drunk woman, how much more have you got to have it before you can get in there? Oh, hallelujah. She staggered like she was drunk. Hallelujah. Staggered like a drunk person. He said, have you ever heard a drunk saying, oh, everything's just fine? Now, be not drunk upon strong drink. This is what they're saying. But be drunk on the spirit. That's what we need today. That's what we need today. That's what we need today is an old-fashioned drunken baptism of the Holy Ghost that burns out sin. An old-time backwood, sky-blue, sin-killing religion. Hallelujah. What the world needs today is an old-fashioned St. Paul's revival. The Bible, Holy Ghost, back in the church again. That's what's the matter with the church today. The reason it's so formal and indifferent. Amen. Right. The formal church looked at him and said, well, what do we have to do to receive this? Peter would tell them, they're not drunk, as you suppose. This is only the third hour of the day. But this is that that the prophet Joel spoke about. This is a fulfilling of scriptures that's taking place. He said, well, what do we got to do? He said, repent. Every one of you. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he said, see what has happened? He said, they went in and they got some of that original manna. And he said, and it's coming this day, he said, we have the same right to go in and get some of that same original manna that fell on the day of Pentecost. It ain't a holdover religion, it's a hold you religion. Amen, it ain't a make-believe religion. It's a religion that'll change your life, change your thinking, change your thoughts, change everything about you. 
change how you think about God and about church and about the, uh, the moving of the Spirit. It'll change everything. If you get a good dose of this kind of Holy Ghost. Just up at those meetings in Oklahoma, we had an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. Girls drunk in the spirit, laid out on the floor. One of them happened to be my daughter, Katie. I'd actually preached that night and went, went, I thought the service was just going to kind of end on a, a high note of shouting and praising God and worship. So I went on back to my room to get, to get a shower real quick and come back. I came back and there was a prayer line out the door and around the building nearly. And, and I'm like, what in wow, what's going on? This is nearly an hour later. My daughter's still over there on the floor. Her and Sister Jemai and a couple of others was there. And uh, I walked up to the, uh, to the door. I went around toward the side I could get, the, the side I could easily access her because I wanted to go see what was all happening. Walked to the door, and there's his brother standing there. And I said, Brother, what's happening here? We got a drinking party going on. He said, Ah, he said, I, I don't know. This is quite amazing. I said, Well, let me go in there. And I walked in there, and I sat down by Katie, began to talk to her and pray for her. She was drunk. She didn't know where she was, she didn't hardly know who she was. Finally got a hold of her and staggered her up to a pew behind us and sat down and put my arm around her and just crying and praying. I thought, boy, if I don't get out of here, it's going to get on me too. <laughs> and I'm going to be back out there in the floor with all the rest of them. <laughs> you just feel the power of God moving. I said, what's happened to you, Katie? She said, I don't know, but I sure like it. <laughs> and I don't want it to ever end. And she said it a lot more drunker than I just said it. And so her mom came up, and I prayed with her, and laid her over there. I began to walk out the building, made it out the room, and Brother Lemuel Pruitt run out behind me, and he said, Uncle Timothy, he said, I got to get baptized. I, I got to get baptized. I got to get baptized. I said, whoa, whoa, what do you got to get baptized for? And I'm trying to remember, has he ever been baptized? You know, he's trying to kind of things. I'm trying to figure it out, and he's just such de desperation had gripped him. I got to get baptized. I said, well, what do you want to be baptized for? He said, because I want that Holy Ghost. I want God to change my life. I got to have it. I'm not leaving here without it. I said, well, you don't have to be baptized to get it. You can get it and be baptized. I laid hands on that boy, and he went instantly drunk. Instantly drunk. And I laid him down in the chair somebody brought. We prayed with him for a while. And he began to scream out at that moment, oh, God, you're my God. You've come and touched me now. I see it's real. I see you've touched me and changed my heart. You're my God. Hallelujah. God still gives that kind of experience. There's still tongues in the church. I know the carnal people want to cut it out, but that's, it's still right here in the Word. Makes them feel uncomfortable, but it's still here. Yeah. What's happened is their manna got old. Got termites in it, bugs in it, broken cisterns. Their water's run out all over the place. Why? Because they let their experience dry up. 
And they become nothing but stagnated pools. But he said, every person has a right to go back and get them a handful of that same original manna that fell on the day of Pentecost. It'll have the same works. It'll have the same manifestations. It'll have the same power. It'll have the same evidence. This is a prophet of God say, everything that they got on Pentecost we can have today. Not something like it, the same thing. Oh, hallelujah. He said, those fellows back under that old Omar, they could, didn't have to get something that looked like it. They got the original. He said, I'm glad today that we can get the original baptism of the Holy Ghost. Power, signs, wonders, same miracles. Why is it? It's the same resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same God moving among us. He said, it's not what I, it's another place. He says, not what I am or who I am. It's the perfection of Jesus Christ and God that died in my place to make me what I am. Amen. He said, it isn't whether I can stand, it's whether he stood. Right. Oh, I love that. Brother, that would make a Baptist shout. <laughs> wow. That, so apparently, Brother Branham even believed in Baptist shouting. Amen. There's something about it that's real. He said, I believe in shouting. I believe in that old-fashioned religion. That's what's the matter today. They say your religion is too much emotion. He said, I can prove to you scientifically anything that hasn't got emotion is dead. So if your religion hasn't got a little emotion in it, you better just bury it for it's dead. Yes, sir, if a baby's born and it doesn't cry or do something, the baby's dead. We got too many dead born babies in church. Some of our message churches wouldn't like the prophet of God preaching for them. We got too many dead born babies born in our church. That's what's the matter with the church. It doesn't understand. It hasn't ever come to life. You know what they do with a little baby when it's born? The doctor picks him up and gives him a little posterior protoplasma stimulation. It wakes him up right quick and he goes to squalling. He said, if there's anything the Pentecostal church needs tonight, it's a good old fashioned gospel spanking to wake them up. To wake them up, the little thing. Get some of the starch out of them. Get some of the starch out of them. He said, you, Brother Branham, you're holding a meeting down there, and then people are screaming and carrying on. He said, yes, sir. He said, don't you think that's fanaticism? No, sir. He said, it reminds me one time he had a great nice, a farmer had this great nice farm. Beautiful farm, nice tractors, beautiful barns. But he was just too lazy to farm. Let his place grow up in weeds. Wouldn't put up no hay. Wouldn't put up the feed. Too lazy. He had it all. He had the beautiful tractor. He had the beautiful barn. But he had all the weeds. No food. And all he could do was look over at the other farmer. Other fellow lived over by him. Didn't have much of a place. Barns maybe not too good. But he was a real industrious, smart worker. He got out and he planted alfalfa and clover. He said, it reminds us some of us has got big churches, but that hasn't got nothing in it. Sometimes you get a little mission, sometimes you got a lot more than you find in some of these big morgues around here. He said, you talk about hollering and carrying brother, on, brother, brother, you don't even know the first principle of it. 
This is what he's talking back to that guy. He said, in the barn of the farmer with the weeds in his loft to feed, there was this little calf born. And over on the other side in the old shaggy barn was this little calf born. They both were fed through the winter and springtime come out. And the farmer that had plenty of food to feed his calf, he turned him out in the crowd. When he did, that calf was all fat and sassy, you know, and that spring wind blowed a little bit. And boy, he felt good. And he went to kicking up his heels and away he went. And that man with that big, fine, ritzy, polished up barn threw out his little calf out. Poor little fellow so weak he couldn't hardly move. Said he staggered out over that fine concrete floor, peeped out through the little crack in that website. Oh, that was me. Through the crack in that fence and watched that little calf feeling good, kicking up in his heels. He said, such fanaticism. He said, what's the matter? He was hungry and he couldn't do that. Mercy. Instead of those preachers looking at us and saying, fanaticism, they ought to give their people something to eat so they got something to jump about and shout about and give God glory about. Won't you open up your Bible and feed them something of the Holy Ghost? Give them something that'll give them spiritual strength in due season. Give them something that'll fight the devil, that'll give them strength to stand toe-to-toe with that devil and say, no, devil, you're not coming past here. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. He said, you may have to worship in a cow barn, but as long as you got spiritual vitamins, as long as you got something to eat, that's what makes you kick up the heels (laughs) and act the way you do. The Holy Spirit coming and confirming his word. God promised it. He gave it to us. He said to Abraham, he was going to give him the promise. Abraham believed God, and God told him, if you notice, went on to 100 years, maybe got worse. His strength was going on, but that didn't keep him. He just come over to God and said, look, Abraham, your strength is gone. Just come on over to me. I got something for you. El Shaddai, the breasted one. Amen. The way, man, two sides to him, healing and salvation. And he brought it. He said, I'll satisfy you. And I'll bring you back to strength again that you can fulfill my word. I'll give you something to shout about. I'll give you something that'll bring forth life. Then you won't have to criticize. You'll have something with life in it. Another place. About 50 years ago, on the Azusa streets in California, a bunch of people were worshiping God. So the method Methodism had gotten so formal and different that they didn't want none of what was called what they called fanaticism. What they called fanaticism. No shouting, no amen, no nothing in the church. They thought that education and reformation would reform the people to a place that they didn't need that stuff no more. This is where we get people are trying to reform people into being a Christian. More, no more than an alcohol anonymous trying to just give them a little something that, you know, I understand you, boy, you had a little problem, but if you'll do this 10-step program, then you'll be okay. No, what you need is the Holy Ghost. So let me tell you, my friends, education as good as it may be, reformation as good as it may be, will never, never take the place of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's God's eternal plan to seal his church away. Oh, my. 
<laughs> Another one, talking about that calf again. He said, see, what, what was wrong? I go on down. He said he was starved on denominational weeds. What we need is some Holy Ghost vitamins in the church that will renew the youth. It will renew the youth of the church. Take it back to Pentecost again. Take it back to Pentecost again and bring you over with an experience fattened up. <laughs> he said, that's what's the matter. We're putting too much on our buildings and claiming Jesus is coming. We're doing this and doing that. He said, we got all kind of our intellectual knowledges. What we ought to do is be on the job, out getting somebody in there, saving souls, feeding them God's vitamins through the power of God. That's exactly right. Amen. Just like the little calf come out of the stall, just as fat and round, kicking his heels out. The other one's so poor, poor he could hardly move. And if the wind would blow, it'd blow him over sideways. He seen that old fat calf having such a good time, such, such, such fanaticism. He said, but when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost, there's something in him that's full of God's spiritual vitamins. It makes him praise God. It makes him shout. It makes him act different. He's no longer earthbound. He's heavenbound. He's left them earthbound bicycles and automobiles, and he's went up into the heavenlies. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, now... We'll bring this one down. Ready? In case you didn't like none of them, here's, here's a good one. He said, if a woman won't have a baby for her husband, she'll take a dog or a cat or something. She's got to mother something. It's a nature. So a church is going to try to produce something. But we're not to, try to, we're not to produce something that's not of God. We're to produce God's seed. The son, amen, with the promise of the son as, as Abraham and Sarah would. But it's got, and so this mother knows it's in her, her nature is to produce something. So instead of doing what God called her to do, she's going to go manufacture something, get her a dog, love on it, a cat, love on it. Never seen such in my life. Anyway, I go on. And to bear a child, but to bear a child for her husband and raise it to the service of God, that's entirely out of her line. She should. Oh, but she'll be disgraced if she did by her sin-loving society of this 1965 type of woman. A true picture of the modern church today. He says, neither does the modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue-speaking, Acts 238 youngins around her. She don't want any of them whooping and crying and screaming, amen, hallelujah. Why such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had... Well, you say, well, Brother Timothy, we're the message. We ain't a part of the denomination. Well, then what's your problem? What you worried about? Yeah. Amen. Why such a child would, be, would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one like that in one of the churches. Why they'd throw her out real quick. Why are you letting such stuff like this go along? Oh, so you see, she's pregnant with something because she's going to bring forth members all the time, but she don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 238 miserable creatures that she thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. It would ruin her and her educated, ethnical, scientific society church that she belongs to. They would throw her out. But my, she can't have it. She don't want to be pregnant with the word because that's the only kind the word can bring forth. Hello, somebody. 
You say, well, what year was that? Well, that was 1965. But in case you want to know, every quote I've read was in the year he was a prophet. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the only kind the word will bring forth. Born of the Spirit of God. It has to have the Spirit of God in it. Not intellectual, church, joint, creed, going, bobbed hair, painted faces. There's no such a thing as that in it at all. You don't find that in the Word of God. You find old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child, born of the Spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. That all together out there, Adam's out of reach for that church, but not for the church of the living God. Hallelujah. But he said, I will restore. He's brought a church up with the life of Christ in it. We're back to seed form again. So just like there was in seed form at the beginning, we're back in seed form again. So you don't plant a corn and get a pea. You plant a corn seed, you get a corn seed. So how in the world are we going to plant a church and get a different church? It's going to be the same church with the same powers and the same wonders and the same Holy Ghost and the same miracles and the same signs. Hallelujah. We saw this past weekend, I mean, miracle take place after miracle after miracle. God moving in his children. God touching hearts. We saw a blood disease that was healed. Amen. We saw... Uh, 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 eczema that was healed, stomach, stomach trouble that was healed, all kind of other testimonies that are coming out of it. God moving in a miraculous, why? Because we're back to seed again. With the same Holy Ghost is back in the church again. And that same Holy Ghost has the same power over every sickness. It has the same power over every sin. It has the power over every devil in hell. Amen. We saw how many pornography devils have to bow at the name of Jesus and be driven out of lives. Amen. They might have thought they had to live with it. But when God became their God, they realized, I don't have to live with that thing no more. I'm free from that. And we saw the same Holy Ghost give the same liberty that it did on the day of Pentecost. We're seeing the same Holy Ghost, amen, raise the dead among us. It's the same power, and it'll produce the same effects. No matter what that spirit of formalism wants to say, let's bow our heads. He said, and you, except you receive this same spiritual revelation, you'll always call these people holy rollers, fanatics, always making fun. Mercy. Two spirits, two twins. Where do you find yourself tonight? We're looking at a church that's doing the greater works. Cancers are being healed. Every spirit of hell is being driven out. Young people overcoming. Baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's what we're seeing. Lives change forever. That's what we're seeing. 
And people want to say that's fanaticism. I'll take it. I'll receive it. I'll receive what he promised. If you don't go, I'll go. Probably seemed pretty crazy for Rebecca to believe all the things that was in store for her. But she had to come to his decision, I will go. God's moving in the miraculous realms. Say, Brother Timothy, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Well, I know right in the middle of a woman sitting on the side of a bed and thinking about her problems and had that brain bleed. All of a sudden, her mind began to change. She began to realize that God had been so good to her, done some wonderful things. And she started lifting up her hands and praising God and shouting and thanking Him for sparing her life. And the Lord must have been pleased with it. Because right out of the middle of that floor step, stood up this little 18-month-old baby that never walked or crawled and began to run all over the house. Doctor says he was going to have to have maybe surgeries, this, that, and the other because of undeveloped, underdeveloped hip. But God came in that moment and healed him. Not only did he do that, he restored my mama's eyesight back to her. Right in the middle of praising him and thanking him. There's nothing wrong with praising him. Why, why do they want to take that from us? I got every right to praise him done some wonderful things for me he ain't done nothing for you maybe you can just sit on your hands or whatever you want to do but I don't, I don't see I don't see how that's possible he's given you the opportunity to hear the truth that's enough to praise him about he passed a lifeboat by your way so jump in you don't have to go that way that's enough to praise him about Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to be ashamed of what God's done for us and what God's doing in our midst. I'm not ashamed. I can't tell you how many tears and rejoicing I've went back and watched last Wednesday of God moving in a mighty way. That's nothing to be ashamed about. That's something to be thankful about. That the Spirit of God would feel pleased to drop in our midst and let us wave the white flag of victory. And not only that, we saw the black flags of Satan fall at our feet. Something to praise him about. Hallelujah. What I mean to just say, Lord, break all the shackles of formalism off of me. Lord, I, I don't want to offer you something that's dead. I want to offer you something with life in it, Lord. 
Maybe you've been out there, been cold, formal. There's a fire here for you. Why don't you come and get you a portion of it? Don't miss him when he passes by. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing that. Jesus can satisfy and Lord. 